You are listening to Pursuing Justice. I am your host, Harriet Hendel. Today, we begin a four-part series on Centurion Ministries. Some of my listeners may recall that I interviewed Kate Germond, former executive director of Centurion, way back in October of 2019, my very first podcast. And she, uh, and also I interviewed the founder of Centurion, Jim McCloskey, in November 2020. Centurion is the first innocence project in the world, launched in 1983, nearly 10 years before the Innocence Project, founded by Barry Sheck and Peter Neufeld. Our guest today is Paul Castellero. He is the legal director for Centurion Ministries. He's been in that role since 2014. Previously, he was in private practice in New Jersey, but he has worked with Jim McCloskey, litigating for those who have been wrongfully incarcerated since the early 1980s, when Jim founded the nonprofit. Paul helped to pass the statute in New Jersey compensating persons mistakenly imprisoned. And we'll ask him about that. He has been admitted to the New Jersey and New York bars, as well as bars of the Supreme Court of the United States. I am delighted to welcome Paul to the podcast today. Welcome. Well, thank you, Harriet. Great to have you. Good to have you with us. So it, it occurred to me that I have not ever interviewed anyone with the perspective that you have because of the length of time you have been involved with this particular Innocence Project. And so from that perspective, I think you can shed light on so many things because of of going way back to the beginning and all the way up to today. So what I would like you to do is just maybe for those listeners who probably missed my earlier podcast to give us a little history of Centurion Ministries. Oh, wow. That'd be uh, okay. <laughs> a, a Reader's Digest version. A Reader's Digest. Okay. <laughs> but, well, it was uh, Jim McCloskey was a, uh, um, a theological uh, seminary uh, student at the Princeton Theological Seminary. And uh, he had previously been in, in uh, I guess he was a consultant, in, in uh, uh, a business consultant, and he was primarily based in uh, Japan. And he, you know, he grew, uh, you know, he wanted more in life, and he decided he was going to become a, uh, a minister. And so he, he enrolled in the Princeton uh, Theological Seminary and, and was studying to become a, uh, a Presbyterian minister. And uh, part of his training was that uh, they sent him to the local uh, state prisons to interview uh, and, 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 and speak with you know, the inmates. And while he was doing that, he met a, uh, a particular inmate named uh, George De Los Santos. And his, uh, he was known by the name of Chiefy. And, and when he met him, uh, Chiefy told him that, you know, uh, you know, he was innocent. 
and he maintained he was innocent, even though he was in this cage and, and in prison. And that, uh, uh, you know, what are you going to do about that? And and over time, a number of sessions with uh, Chief, he, uh, he uh, uh, basically convinced Jim that um, he should look into his case, you know, moral obligation to do that. And Jim did it. And when he looked into his case, he <laughs> came to the conclusion, yeah, that Chief, he was innocent and he had been uh, wrongfully, uh, uh, you know, convicted and imprisoned. And he, so he dropped out of the, or he took a leave of absence from the uh, seminary and uh, it started investigating this case. He did, did a bunch of investigation. And as a result of that, he then cobbled together his funds and he hired a lawyer. And the lawyer he hired was a guy named Morty Stavis, who was a well-known, um, um, I guess they call it today, a progressive lawyer. Uh, he, he's one of the founders of the Center for Constitutional Rights. And um, he hired him, and I, I, uh, I, I worked in the Morty. I worked for Morty in law school. I guess he was my mentor. And eventually, Morty got busy with other things, and he asked me to take over the case. I took over the case, and I met Jim and began working on the case. Well, we ultimately were successful in freeing, in freeing Chiefy, and then uh, Chiefy maintained there were a couple of other people that he knew in the Jersey State prisons that were innocent. Jim started investigating those cases, and it was uh, uh, he eventually... Uh, I worked on two other cases with him, uh, the uh, Nate Walker case and the uh, um, the Maso Vega case. And we were able to free both of those individuals. But in the course of, in the middle of all that, Jim decided that this is what he wanted to do with his life work. And he formed Centurion Ministries. And and that's the kind of the, uh, the uh, you know, the origin of it. And at the time he formed it, I mean, he was the only one, in, and and the, the the purpose of the organization was to free people who are innocent and imprisoned, and nobody else was doing that kind of work in those days. I mean, there were you know kind of ad hoc attempts by I guess you know individual lawyers at times to work on a particular case, but Jim saw it as you know as a much greater problem than one case. And he saw it as a systematic problem, which, you know, really well ahead of his time. And uh, he formed the uh, Centurion and uh, we've been on the go since. And, the and, and I worked with him over the years for, uh, uh, you know, since this founding. And, uh, uh, and in 2014, I had been private practice for too many years, like 35 <laughs> years. And I was tired of it. And uh, I proposed, you know, coming and being a legal director, and maybe we could expand things here at the Centurion, given they've been in business so long. And uh, you know, just in some sense, uh, you know, a different, a little bit of a different perspective. And uh, they, they, they uh, gratefully uh, took me on as their legal director, and and you know, we've been going strong since. To, to date, we've. I, I don't know, it's 65, 66, 67 in the people. Um, uh, some of the some of the people we freed, we haven't been able to exonerate them. Some of the people we freed, we you know, freed through uh, 
through conviction uh, review units and through, uh, you know, uh, pleas, you know, reduced pleas and where they get out. You know, there aren't that many of those, but there, there are a number of them. Um, and, uh, and we're going strong. When you say um, you haven't been able to exonerate them, what does that actually mean? Well, we haven't been, we haven't been able to you know uh, you know uh, 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 have a judge dismiss the charges and 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 free the person uh, you know with the charges being dismissed, wiping out the conviction, vacating the conviction, and freeing them. Um, not in all cases. In some in some cases, you know, the, uh, you know, prosecutors will, um, you know, you, you've been in jail for. Uh, and the Larry Walker case is, is, is a good example of it. You've been in jail for 35 years or 30 something years and, and you're innocent. And you have a basis maybe to argue that um, your conviction should be vacated. And, 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 and you're gonna receive opposition to the, that position and people are gonna fight you. But they say, hey, if you take a plea We'll let you out of jail right now. Now, what would you know? What would anybody do in that situation? And, you know, and then you have to make that individual choice as to uh, you know how you're going to handle that. In, uh, so it's I mean it's a difficult it, it's a difficult choice and it's really it's a cruel choice that's imposed on these people. They're innocent in jail. Uh, prosecutors are threatening to, uh, in some cases to, you know, litigate the case, you know, if we have to go through with this motion on your motion to vacate the conviction, we're going to, you know, if we lose, we're going to appeal. If you lose, you have to appeal. It's, there's no guarantee right. that you'll prevail. And so um, you're left with the choice of you can leave jail and be free of this, or you can continue to fight it from your prison cell. Yeah, It's not much of a choice sometimes. Now, when when you say um, it's almost like making a deal, uh, a plea, can you be more specific if they're not willing to vacate the um, conviction? So what are the choices that some people have? Um, and, and you mentioned Larry Walker. You kind of opened the door there. Larry Walker will be our guest uh, in t uh, three weeks. So uh, please stay with us on, on this one. Yeah, um, it's a very, it'll be a very interesting interview. So in, in his case or any other cases, what, what is the deal that they have to take um, outside of being declared actually innocent? Well, in the Larry Walker case, Larry had, a, Larry had been in jail since 1983. He got out in, I guess, May of this year. Right. Um, he had been in jail all those years um, on a case, a, a murder case in which he was innocent. Um, we had a claim um, that we were able to develop through the uh, uh, Conviction Integrity Unit of the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office. They gave us access to files that we previously didn't have access to on a number of other cases. And we were able to develop evidence to show um, that we believe uh, that the police officer who one of the police officers testified at trial um, gave testimony 
um, that um, at least legally could be argued, uh, if not factually uh, accurate, uh, that was, you know, inaccurate. And so, um, or mistaken. And, and so um, we had this claim, but the claim is coming, you know, you know, all those years later, uh, um, you know, 38 years, 30, 38 years later. And so there's all these, you know, legal impediments to litigating such a claim. You know, should you have discovered it earlier? Why didn't you discover it earlier? And, you know, it, you ba they basically, the law basically says, well, it's your fault. Prove, prove that you couldn't have discovered it earlier. And, and, and so we could litigate that case. And then we were offered by the uh, conviction review unit. We, we, we didn't have, we weren't able to come up with evidence that said, like an item of evidence like DNA that said, this proves that he absolutely 100% innocent. What we could prove was there was significant evidence demonstrating his innocence. And, and, but the new evidence we had was, was, was this, what, you know, whether this testimony was accurate or inaccurate, um, you know, it was going to be a legal issue and it was going to be, it, it could be a, you know, a real fight. And we were offered a uh, resolution of it by the uh, conviction review unit that you could get conviction integrity unit that if you took a plea to a third degree murder and a 20 year sentence, you know, you, you could, you could leave. And uh, so he had that choice and he, he uh, or you could potentially litigate the claim and see where it goes. Uh, there, there, there was, there was uh, arguments that the claim itself was barred because of the passage of time and, and, and the, the legal, you know, kind of principles that may apply. And so he, he was left with the choice of go ahead and fight it or walk out. And, and what would have been the possible result if he had said, I'm going to fight this to clear my name? Well, he'd be in jail probably still. And and I mean, that was only in May. He'd be in jail and we'd probably, given this, you know, the pandemic, we'd be waiting for a hearing at some point in time. And we'd be out to litigate the case. We'd have a hearing and possibly, we might not even be granted a hearing. Right. We'd be possibly have a hearing and then you'd have to submit briefs and you know it'd be it'd be two three years down the road and you may get a decision two three years down the road you, you know and, lose. and you may lose and you may win you may lose but you know you won't get younger in the process right. you won't get reunited with your family in the process you'll still be suffering all the deprivations and and uh you know and so we he took a plea a nolo plea in which he didn't have to uh allocute by saying you know that he did it because he didn't do it and he couldn't say he did it so uh so we took, he took a nolo plea and uh was reunited with his family which through all these 38 years stood by him supported him um and was there every step of the way with him remarkable uh to have the family be so consistent all those decades, yeah. Yeah, so, well, they knew, if anybody who met Larry Walker would know, I believe, that he is innocent. He is 
a, a gentle man. Uh, he's not somebody who would, uh, he was accused of, uh, of, of shooting multiple times a man he knew and in just basically cold-blooded murder and it, you know during the course of an alleged burglary of the, of his house and it was a mistaken identification case and um, and we had really good evidence that it was a mistaken identification that they absolutely made a mistake in identifying the individual the police failed to investigate the case properly and um uh you know so it was it was it was it, it was an outrageous and tragic kind of uh, uh, robbery of this man's life. To be honest, not only not only was there a victim who died. Larry Walker was a victim also. Sure. His his, his son, his daughter, his wife, his entire family, his large family. They were all victims. Sure. All victims, and the murderer walked away. That's so often what I, I say over and over again, when you lock up an innocent person, the guilty person walks. Right. They're, out, they're out there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, so the case was never solved as to- No, the case was never solved. They had a witness that knew the, what the shooter, they knew who the shooter was. There was a witness that these three individuals robbed this man and fled the scene but before they fled the scene there was an encounter between the victim and them he got shot he was able to wrestle with them uh he was bleeding profusely his blood uh he grabbed one of the the, the guy that they said was larry walker from behind at one point and all of his blood got on the back of the, this man's shirt they then fled the scene there was a woman who saw these guys running down the street and with the gun in his hand and with blood on the back of his shirt. And mm. she told the police, she told the police, I know the guy from a bar on whatever street it was. I know him from a bar and she could identify him. They never spoke to him. Never spoke to him. And, and as a result, he walked away. You know, God knows whether, you know, he, he did something horrendous to somebody else. Yeah. You know, uh, not only, did, I mean, he did something horrendous to Larry Walker, but did he do it to other people also? You know, generally, um, I think the answer to that question is yes, they did. <laughs> that, that is that is uh, often the case. Uh, I often talk about Michael Morton's case in Texas where the perpetrator walked away um, and committed other crimes, murders, and had they caught him in the first place, you know, these people would be alive. But right. 20, 25 years went by that Morton was in prison and this guy was out there you know, right. fr free. Yeah. Right. So I'm glad you, you went over Larry's case and now, you know, people will be um, waiting to hear from him directly and from his, his daughter um, also, who was wonderful. Uh, it's going to be a great interview. So let's, let's um, expand. We do have time in this um, podcast, and I know you're willing to come back and talk to us again. Um, 
as as cases that you have been uh, a party to over. I can barely hear. Oh, period. Yes. You yes. just hit 20 minutes and okay. there was a very loud sound that sounded like a crash. I didn't hear it. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, your plug-in or what, but something happened and I oh. heard it. I, I don't know what it was. I heard it too. You I heard it hear. too? Oh, oh yeah. I did, I did oh, not so hear it. Wasn't just me. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count you down. You have five minutes. Oh, okay. Okay. Going three, two, one. Over the years that you have been involved with Centurion Ministries, um, you've been a, a part of so many cases. Um, can you, in the little bit of time we have in this segment uh, that is left, can you maybe take us back to cases that stand out in your mind? <laughs> and and there must be so many. And why that you know these cases are in the forefront of your your mind? I it, generally the cases that stand out in my mind are the cases that I'm you know working on at the moment. Okay. Um, uh, and so uh, you know they're all. Uh, I've never been, I've never been one that's been able to, uh, you know, kind of rate the cases, you know, this is a more, you know, outrageous miscarriage of justice than, than some other case, because they, it seems to me, if you get convicted and you're innocent of the crime, whatever the circumstances, whether it's because you had a, you know, bad lawyering, you had police misconduct or prosecutorial misconduct, or, or they, you know, the, the, the prosecution used some junk science, whatever it may have been, whatever the reason is, it's just, it's, it's tragic and outrageous. And so, um, so you know, the cases, um, I mean, as you're working on these cases, you get into, you know, each one and, 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 and they are, you know, kind of at the moment, the most, uh, you know, kind of outrageous thing um i, I mean um i mean it, it, all these cases kind of have a, a, a um i i think a there's a kind of a common denominator to them is is the is generally speaking the 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 person is 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 being victimized in 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 multiple ways you know uh you know a, a lot of times it'll be because the lawyer just doesn't do the work that they should do, or the prosecutor senses that they can, you know, get over on the lawyer, and and so and so they they take advantage of, of the lawyer, or they take advantage of the uh, uh, just the person, and 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 they do things that they shouldn't do, which are un, uh, you know generally unethical, and so um, you know I, I'm currently working on a case that you know uh, in. In um, um, in Pennsylvania, which is which is pending. I mean, we have, we're we're in the middle of it, but three three people get convicted, and they get convicted based on uh, the 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 testimony of a fourth person, despite the despite the existence of of uh, of um, a, a semen sample uh, 
found in the victim, which was an elderly woman who was not engaged in sexual intercourse, that exonerates them. And the jury heard from the uh, this person who said they were a lookout in this in this uh, uh, crime for these other three guys that went in and, and, and robbed this elderly woman. And the jury believed this this uh, guy's testimony, which I believe was was coached and and, and basically it was tantamount to a false confession. And uh, they believed it over the over the science that had uh, um, you know semen in a in a victim who's been beaten and lying on the floor, and they got convicted. We're in the process of doing additional um, uh, testing. Uh, uh, to uh, uh, prove that in fact they're innocent. So, so I mean, I mean, when you have clear, objective evidence of innocence, and nevertheless people get prosecuted and 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 get convicted by juries after hearing uh, scientific evidence and hearing somebody who was was the witness against him was 15 year old drug user who had all sorts of you know issues and they and they somehow believed that person over the science you know why why did that happen um you know um and so that seems to me to be a, a good example of a outrageous case and in that case the lawyering was was um left a lot to be desired for each one of these uh, three people uh, that got convicted. They all were convicted in separate trials. And um, and 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 it's, it's pretty apparent that to me that there was uh, evidence uh, of profound uh, coaching of this witness in order to put together a story. All right, I have to stop you there because we are out of time for this uh, podcast, and I know you will come back and let's let's talk some more about things that you have experienced. So, okay, thank you so much for being with us today, and we look forward to next Thank time. you for having me.